Hey guys, it's Ed. I'm coming to you live from the Drunk Gossip Studios here in New York City. It is Thursday, and I am coming to you live again. Um, four days in a row. Again, this was not planned. Um, well, actually, today's episode was planned. I, sh- I shouldn't say it wasn't planned. I, w- I wasn't planning on coming to you four days in a row, though. That was not in the cards. I mean, it was in the card. Never mind. You get what I'm saying. <laughs> I've had a few mimosas already, and I'm going to have a few more while we fish some uh, some dirt. Uh, and I apologize. I will be drinking a little bit more um, than normal. It's only because my throat is sore. Um, so forgive me for that. So we're going to jump right into this with talking about Anna Wintour. Yes, darlings, Anna Wintour. Um, so this would be much better if I was prepared, but I'm not because I never am. <laughs> so, okay, let's talk Anna Wintour. Let, just real, really quick recap for those who are just joining us. Welcome. This is a podcast where I get drunk and tell you gossip. All right, now we're all caught up on that part. Let's get caught up on Anna Wintour. Um, Anna, is, when I just after I started this podcast, there was a rumor that Anna was out at Condé Nast. Um, and the rumor actually has had some legs. Um, the latest part of it is that Beyonce has full control over the September issue, at least the cover. Um, that seems to be just something that um, someone put out there. There doesn't seem to be any actual evidence that she's going to be controlling the cover. Um, but Anna's boss, um, Bob Sauberg, who is the CEO of Condé Nast, says, Anna, Anna Wintour is an incredibly talented and creative leader whose influence is beyond measure. She is integral to the future of our company's transformation and has agreed to work with me indefinitely in her role as Vogue Magazine Editor-in-Chief and Artistic Director of Condé Nast. Now, that pretty much seems to be confirmation that she's not going anywhere. But the truth of the matter is, she probably is. Um, indefinitely could mean she could quit tomorrow or not be working there tomorrow or she could be there for another 30 years and Anna is not the type that's going to go quietly into that good night she will fuss and she will fight and she will do whatever she has to do Um, so if she's not going anywhere it's because she has something on him he doesn't like her, she doesn't like him. That's not a secret in the magazine world. So, um, I know she's had to reduce staff, um, the staff expenses, which has meant letting go of some of the writers that she keeps on retainer. And, I, and I've explained this before, but let me just explain it again. From my understanding, what a retainer is, is you you get a retainer with a magazine, let's say Vogue, 
Um, and you get a certain a certain monthly stipend. And in return, you write articles for them. Almost on an exclusive basis, but not necessarily. So you could write an article about... A bumblebee yellow being in fashion. Vogue would have first dibs at it. If they turn it down, then you can sell it to someone else. And there were a lot of people who had retainers who are either they're seeing their retainer fee reduced or their contract um, canceled altogether because it's a cost-cutting effect. You know, I was just lamenting to my friends um, last night that I wrote a 2,600-word article in the... In the 80s, 90s, and I would argue probably even the early 2000s, it would have netted me $5,200. In the late 2000s, early 2010s, it would have netted me $2,600. Today, I'm lucky to get $200 for it. Um, So the magazine business is changing, and I don't think that Anna's really keeping up with it. Um, you know, she was, she was revolutionary when she took over Vogue, um, in the past, but she hasn't quite kept up with technology, and I think that's what's killed her career. I expect a formal announcement of her leaving Vogue. It'll never be she was fired. It'll say she, she quit of her own volition. And I'm going to go on my own volition and be right back. And I'm back. Did you miss me? I had to make another mimosa because... Lord... Work is... Okay, so for those of you who don't know, I work in marketing. Um, and so we have our busy weeks and we have slower weeks. And this has been one of the busier weeks. And sometimes that job just... Like, I love it, but it drives me crazy sometimes at the same time. Um, which is why I'm I'm moving into more article writing, and later on we're going to talk about my very first true crime article. Um, but right now, I want to talk about what drives Katy Perry crazy. See what I did there. Um, so, blind gossip revealed one of their older blind items called Diva versus Chicken. Um, you can, of course, check it out on their website, blindgossip.com. It, right now, it's the um, first post that you see. If you can't find it, just just Google, or not Google, but um, search for um, Diva vs. Chicken, and it'll pop up. So, what is Diva vs. Chicken? It, it's the item about... Um, well, in the original item, it's a pop diva who gets really frustrated or she has certain foods that she eats very healthy foods and gets very frustrated when her crew is treated to like chicken and mashed potatoes and things like that and at this one's this one incident she threw everything out and said if i can't have it nobody can and I don't know why I keep slipping into that accent. That's really weird. Maybe one of my other personalities are coming out. Um, so, 
so she throws this big diva fit. And blind gossip. I and I don't know why they um why they revealed it. I don't know if maybe they got permission from their source, or if it was always the plan to uh, reveal it today, or around this time. That's one of those things that I just don't think we'll ever really truly know. Um, but in any case, um, it, it just. That sort of thing drives me crazy. Like, you know, if someone's on a diet, I will, of course, support them. Especially if they're one of my friends like Mandy or, or my best friend Dave or um, anyone that I'm close to. You want to lose weight? I will be there. But while you're eating that salad, I'm going to have a cheeseburger because I'm not on a diet. I probably should be, but I'm not on no damn diet. And most of the time, I've never had anyone say anything to me. Um, when Mandy came to New York to um, see me in, Octo- um, in October, in April, there was, like, literally nothing that she wouldn't try. She tried insomnia cookies with me. Which I didn't really try those. I just love them. Yummers. Um, you, you all really need to go try some. Um, if you're ever in New York to find the nearest Insomnia cookies. They were just bought out by Krispy Kreme. So hopefully they don't change their recipes too much. Um, sorry. Back on track. You know, food is very important to me. And so is alcohol. Clearly. I'm building a whole career out of being drunk and talking about gossip, so um, there's that. Um, but, you know, if if people want me to be unhappy, feed me something healthy. Feed me some nasty-ass shit. Because then I will be unhappy and I will bite your head off. This is why I can never work with, with Miss Katy Perry, because I would literally kill her. I would be like, mm, bitch, you throw away that chicken, I'm still gonna eat it. I don't care that it's in the trash. I'm eating this piece of damn chicken. Um, just just a really funny story. I went out on a date with this with this guy. We really liked one another. Um, when we met up, the chemistry wasn't quite as intense, or um, however you want to define it for yourself. But it, like the chemistry, we had chemistry. Like I could easily see having sex with him. But it just wasn't, like, the mind-blowing chemistry that I'm used to having with guys. Um, so he took me to this fried chicken place because he knows I love fried chicken. And, you know, I ate every damn piece of that chicken and the mashed potatoes and the corn and the biscuits. Ooh, the biscuits. Um, but... When we were getting ready to leave, I noticed he left chicken on the plate. And that just didn't sit right with me. And, like, he knew it. And he's, um, when we left the restaurant, he's like, you don't want to see me again, do you? And I said, no. He's like, it's because I left the chicken on the plate. And I was like, yep. And we went our separate ways. So, Katy Perry, I don't care what your deal is. You don't throw away fried chicken. That's sacrilege. Your parents taught you better than that. I'll be right back. And I'm back. And we're going to do a blind item. 
Um, this one comes from Crazy Days and Nights. Um, if you want to read it, just go to crazydaysandnights.net. It's called Put Her in the Movie. It's from Tuesday, July 31st. He does his a little bit differently than uh, Blind Gossip. So you you might have to search for for a second. Um, but you can find it very easily. Or you can, um, you can type in the title and um, find it in this, on the site. Um, and uh, honestly, commentators always refer back to these longer blinds. So there's a good chance that, like, if you read one of his other blinds, you'll find a link to it. Anyways, it says, I don't think it will be that tough to figure out the main subject in the blind, but it is it is a story I have been wanting to write for a few years now. I always tend to want to write it this time of year. To make it more puzzle-friendly, I am including some of the people that were on the sidelines during this period. When I met her, I knew who she was, but was but really just as someone who enjoyed her previous record when I heard it and would have told her if I had run into her. I thought the record was brash and really expected nothing less in real life from someone who made that kind of record. The thing was, though, when I first met her, she was 180 degrees from that. I almost never met her. I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think of some other way I would have met her if not for that weekend, and I don't think we would have crossed paths. I tried to think of every possible way to get out of going to where I did meet her. You know, where it all would have taken, where all it would have taken is one gust of wind and I would have pulled out. I don't, I don't like heat. I hate it, in fact. Some of the greatest feelings I have had in life were when I was hot and planted myself in front of an air conditioner. Who remembers those, who remembers those moments? Me, that's who. Things were different for this particular event back then very different. I do remember making a call to this foreign-born former A-list singer group slash solo in my 120 minutes kind of world, S-O. And landed two tickets for a long time friend of the site who I would still do anything for because she wanted to see her at the t- uh, her at the time favorite band. When I got the t- tickets, I of course told the former A-lister that the longtime friend of the site considered S.O. to be her favorite singer ever. Anyway, S.O. was supposed to perform in L.A. two nights before her show, and I had plans to go and hit whatever booze she ordered in her rider. She canceled her show, though, and we decided to do dinner instead. The thing about S.O. is that I understand her so much better the more I drink. She says I use it as an excuse to drink more, probably. My drunken self got a, it got ahead of my common sense, and I agreed to go see her perform. The only reason is because she was going a day ahead of time, so no traffic, and she had a place to stay where I could crash for a couple nights. How was I going to get back home was something I should have thought about, but didn't. So I went, and I sweated a lot. It was during the hottest part of the day, during soundtrack that I first met the subject of our blind. Let's call her T.D. Unlike what most of you think about T.D., she was incredibly shy when I first met her. S.O. introduced me to her. After a brief hello, S.O. left us alone while she went and did some press or drank tea with honey or something. It was just myself and T.D. Felt like 20 minutes, but it was about a minute before she said, It's fucking hot, isn't it? Only she said it in an accent that made it come out something like fucking hot. I laughed out loud hard. She laughed that I laughed and smiled this huge one that, that, and smiled this huge 10,000 watt smile. T 
T.D. wasn't famous back then. People knew her. And her biggest song was ever was out, but no one was buying it. No one was playing it. She got the gay courtesy of the record company label. A record label, sorry, that pushed for her in a management company that combined her with someone else. I promised Esso I would stay sober until she finished her show because she said I needed to or she wouldn't let me crash back at her place. The night before, there had been a little bit too much drinking on my part. I agreed. I saw TD a few times that night after she performed and she popped up at the place where Esso was crashing. I told TD if she was ever in LA to give me a call and gave her my number. I never expected to hear from her again. I was wrong. It was not quite two months later she called me and said she was in town and she needed a place to crash because her arrangements were not working for her. Those arrangements were really a, uh, were a really nice hotel suite. The problem was she was trying to hide from her boyfriend at the time because he found out she hooked up with this permanent A-list rapper who all of you know and who all of you knew then and who none of you would ever suspect of hooking up with TD. Let's call him Remix. TD said she called a couple other people, but those people all knew the boyfriend. She needed someone no one knew. So she came over, I gave up my futon, and there she slept. The next day, she was pretty manic and out of sorts. There was a lot of smoking, a whole lot of lighting the next cigarette with the one before it. She did ask me to go to the event where she was performing. I thought she was asking out of guilt, but when when we went to lunch, I could tell she meant it. That laugh of hers was crazy. I remember even that day, no one came up to her and asked her for anything. No photos, no autographs, nothing. I went to the event and did see this former um, bubblegum pop singer turned actress try to hide the fact that she was hooking up with her then co-star who was relatively unknown at the time and it is probably now a a minus list depending on his how big a fan of his you are of the and of the defunct network hit she was also seeing a celebrity and some old guy and didn't want anyone to know she was seeing all these guys because she thought it would be bad for her image i remember seeing this at the time a-list actress who was probably a little lower or who is probably a little lower now but still crappy at acting doing some lines of blow at an after party i never even spoke to td again that day after dropping her off Nothing from her at all until three months later when she was back in town and once again asking to crash on my futon because once again, she was hiding from people. I gathered she liked having places where no one could find her, from labels to management to agents to boyfriends. For two nights straight, she hung out with my family and watched television until all hours. She loved infomercials. There was a couple of concerts thrown in, but for the most part, it was television and beer and chain smoking. It was during those two days that... We started talking about movies, and she said she always wanted to be in a movie, a mysterious character. She could be a singer, but she wanted to be someone who was the key to everything. It had to be a drama. She wanted to be the piece to bring it all together and wanted to use an American accent. She could do it really well. I jokingly told her we should try, um, try and shoot a scene. She said we, we should. She was serious. A week later, we were in a northern city, and she sang a song which, which she never sang before or since, which she thought was the perfect movie song of all time. She then did a half page of dialogue, which she nailed in one take. I sent her the DVD of her performance, and for months she said she watched it every day. 
She got into a few a fight a few months after with her boyfriend, and he broke it. She said it was the most she ever cried because she always had that dream. I offered to send her another copy, but she didn't want it. That was the last conversation for the final three years of her life. So, there are a lot of people um, who are guessing a lot of different names. But this screams Amy Winehouse to me because, um, for, for multiple reasons, Amy Winehouse died July 23rd, which lines up with the timeline of him wanting to write it. Um, she, was, she was supposed to sing one of the James Bond songs. Um, and apparently she never got a chance to record it. Um, Rehab um, was released and didn't do very well until it started um, slowly getting traction. The only thing we can't figure out is who the hookup was. But we're we're not going to try to figure that out right now because I am way over on this segment. I'm very sorry. I'm going to go and I will be right back. Okay, I'm back. I Again, I apologize. I didn't realize that we were going into 10 minutes for the last segment. So we're going to go ahead and this is going to be our last segment. Um, the, the, there was a less minute update, but it wasn't anything that serious. CBS has officially ordered an investigation and a special counsel. There, now you're all caught up. Um, I, I do want to talk about... Um, my my first true crime article, it's called The Forgotten Mix Scam. Um, you can find it over on um, local media on, in the criminal section. It's, it's I think it's like criminal.media. If you type that into your browser, it should come up. Or you type in um, The Forgotten Mix Scam and it should theoretically pull up my article. Um, you'll know it's me because it'll say Edward Anderson. Um, you all can call me Ed. I just use Edward for, um, my more formal jobs. So, okay. Picture this. It's 1986. McDonald's is having their, one of their, um, Monopoly competitions. And everything seems to be normal. There's a man in charge of it in charge of the security part. His name is Jerome Jacobson. Jerome is, um, he's really the center of this whole thing. So, Jerome witnesses his company acting shady. And, um, basically, there was a computerized thing where, um, the computer would select where the winners would go to. Well, the first time they ran it, it was supposed to go to Canada, and they were like, no, it has to be within the U.S., so they reran the program. Not that big of a deal, right? Well, he thought it was, and basically took that as a sign that the gods were telling him to cheat the system. So he started... He had already filled in, like, one piece and gave it to his stepbrother. So he... he and then he sold another piece and sold it to his butcher friend. But he wasn't really in it for that. So then he started getting into it for the money. 
and he partnered with, um, in 91, he partnered with someone called Dorano Colombo. You can't make these names up. So, Dorano Colombo um, was a, a mafia dude. He owned a lot of, like, quote-unquote adult nightclubs, which I think is really just code for strip clubs. Um, underground casinos and things like that. So, Gerardo and Jerome made a ton of money selling these instant winning pieces. And honestly, no one, if Gerardo had stayed involved, no one would have ever caught on to what was going on. But tragically, Gerardo died in a car accident. He and his wife, Robin, um, they had a really quick two-week courtship, fell madly in love, as, as one does, or as a couple does, I guess, and they got married. Um, their marriage was cut short when, after a big fight in North Carolina, they were going to move to Georgia, and they were going to see a house... And Gerardo was killed in a car accident. There's a lot more to it, but I'm not going to get into all that. So, um, Jerome started pairing up with all these really, uh, I don't want to say bad, because they're all bad, but these, these guys that were really just not a good fit. And so, um, Dwight Baker was the last one that he kind of paired up with. And Baker is kind of what got them caught because he was giving to, like, family, friends, and whatnot. And the FBI, there was a special agent, um, I don't remember his first name, which you would think I would since I worked on that damn article for, like, five hours, which I know isn't a really long time, but go with it. Um, it, was a, it was Special Agent Dent. I don't remember his first name. Um, created this whole thing, and there was like a golden triangle of instant winning McDonald tickets within a 25-mile area of Jerome's house. And so basically what happened was they were brought down because they got greedy and these people would say, oh, you know, let's bring my sister or my brother. Not realizing that people were actually tracking where all these winners were. We don't know who the tipster was, although um, my theory is that the tipster that... um, that tipped off the FBI that something was amiss was Robin herself because she went from um, being a mafia wife to a child of God. Um, if you want more information on this, like I said, just um, go to Vogel, the criminal section. Um, the Forgotten Mix Scam is my article. All the details are in there, the whole story. It's very sordid, very soap opera-y. May become my first true crime book. I'm not 100% sure yet. Um... I'm kind of letting it rest because I was so frustrated yesterday. I am out for the day. Um, I may be out for the weekend. I'm not 100% sure yet. Um, 
but I am raising my glass to you and saying cheers for now.